Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The U.S. Men's National Team has just completed their January window in which we were hoping for nine points, we got six. And that six points puts us in a precarious situation as World Cup qualification has not been secured and it's going to go all the way down uh, to the last window. And that puts a lot of uh, that puts a lot of us in a tough situation with a lot of anxiety and a lot of hope and, and, and a lot of memories to 2018, whenever things didn't go so well. So we're looking back at the January window, what went right, what went wrong. And I'm bringing in a man who I think has the finger on the pulse of uh, the U.S. soccer world, and especially the discourse in the U.S. soccer world. He is the uh, the host of the Scuff podcast, and he is the artist behind such hits as Ojan Luca and Nine Point Window. He is Adam Bells. Bells, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Sam. Appreciate it. Glad to have you. Let's jump into this first game because this uh, this first game was one that I mean, it, it was looking back. There was there was a whole lot of discourse after this game about finishing chances and about strikers. I mean, it was the one nothing game uh, against El Salvador and Columbus, Ohio. Uh, some of the notes that I have from that game is the U.S. dominated possession. They created a lot of chances, failed to secure those, failed to score on those chances. The game will be remembered for that big Jesus Ferreira miss. Uh, but in my opinion, I think Jesus Ferreira had a pretty good game outside of that and, and was one of the more effective strikers over that three-game window. Uh, but you, you can let me know how you feel about that. Uh, and, and I think another thing that, that we're not really talking about that I think is interesting is that uh, you know Chris Richards started that game. And Chris Richards has sort of quietly come along and, and solidified himself, at least in that top three uh, of that center back position. It's something that you know we were hoping for for a long time to see Chris Richards as one of the guys, and all of a sudden he is one of the guys, and I don't know, it's it's something that's just sort of quietly happened. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've always rated Chris Richards, so I I guess I'm not, I'm not surprised to see him break in and, and become a regular. Too bad he got, too bad he got that injury against Canada, hopefully he can get back soon, but um, it does seem like it's a three-man center back position right now, right now, at this very moment, Zimmerman, Robinson, and Richards, and um. They they seem they seem pretty interchangeable in Berhalter's mind, right? Yeah, it, it, the big thing from this game was uh, the xG versus the actual g and the um, chances created versus the goals scored. Uh, what were your thoughts on Jesus Ferreira in that game? And uh, I think also Christian Pulisic has to be mentioned there because that was the first game where people were sort of, sort of starting to question like what's going on with uh, Christian Pulisic in this U.S. national team setup. Uh, he was dropping in a lot. Uh, didn't have a lot of joy out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did not think Pulisic played well. I guess I'm, you know, everybody has, shares that opinion. Um, but you know, with regard to Ferreira, I thought uh, I thought he was good. I agreed with Burhalter about that. And um, you know, I guess I, I have like sort of a brain approach to like a striker's performance, and then like a sort of emotional approach, mm-hmm. which are both happening simultaneously in my in inside me. But um. The brain approach is, hey, like the cerebral part of me would say, hey, Ferrero was great. You know, he got into some really good spots. Not everybody finishes their chances. Everybody regresses to their their XG over time. So we want a striker who's getting into chances. You know, not only did he have the big miss on that volley uh, coming across like the back post, he also created a good shot for himself with his left foot that he put over the bar. Um, And I don't know. I mean, my co-host Greg made the point. 
I don't know how many of our strikers can do that. You know, take a, take a deft little touch to lift it over the defender, get around him, and then get a good shot off. They, you know, they can do it sometimes, but I think Ferreira is the trickiest in those tight spaces of our Yeah, and he, he does that a lot. I remember the game against Mexico. He had that little touch that opened up space for uh, Weston McKinney to get that second goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember in the um, in the game against El Salvador, he created that opportunity for Musa, and he chested it for Musa, and Musa put it over the bar. So in yep. that tight space in the box, he seems to be, I think, the only striker that we have that we've seen on a regular basis be able to uh, just operate in those tight spaces and, and create for others around him. I have a personal axe to grind on this, which is that I really want there to be a Mexican-American star on the national team. And um, and so I favor Ricardo Pepe for that reason. You know, I want I want him... I want him to succeed. I want him to be the nine for the U.S. I think long term he has a good chance of being that. He just hasn't hasn't quite done it. And I think it's true. Ferreira was more effective in this last window than Pepe was in his opportunities. And now a word from today's sponsor, Bet Online. Would like to wish you a happy betting New Year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all betting action in 2022. New Year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, and of course soccer, right to your favorite video. Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I think my axe to grind would be Sargent. I want Sargent to be the guy. I think that he's just the most complete striker if he can score goals, if he can do it in the box, and we haven't seen that. And it's just it just goes back to this discussion of the strikers for the U.S. men's national team. It seems like a a, a box of broken toys right now. It's just a, a bunch of guys that can do some things but not everything, and nobody seems to be scoring goals right now. So uh, even though... I, I don't know. I don't know about Ferreira, man. I mean, he's he's gonna he's got the DP money at Dallas this year. He's gonna be getting a lot of play at Dallas, and uh, we've seen lately that if you're pretty good at FC Dallas, that means you're at least good enough to play, you know, at a, a lower tier Bundesliga team. Like that's been uh, pretty secure. Uh, <laughs> Was he making like two million? Is he, did I see that he, yeah, his yeah. salary is gonna be two million now? Yeah, right around Holy there. Yeah, smoke. it's really impressive. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. It, it's 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 going to be interesting, but at, at least I, I don't think Ferreira gets quite as much respect as some of the other guys uh, just because he's uh, got the false nine um, uh, denomination over him and, and where yeah. he plays and the type of game he plays and, and the fact that he's not getting those big headers and those big acrobatic goals. He doesn't get a lot of goals really at all, but uh, I think he's just a very effective player that we can put out there and one of the few players that is actually contributing uh, in that nine role, at least in, in recent games. Yeah, I mean, uh, Greg, my Greg, my co-host, is a huge Ferreira fan, so it's like almost like a running bit on our podcast now how much he loves Jesus Ferreira. So he gets plenty of respect from our podcast. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. He doesn't fit the profile of, like, the classic number nine, and I think we all, we all kind of want that, you know, the big guy who goes flying through the air and heads it in or, you know, d- broad shoulder hold up play that kind of thing and uh i don't we're not gonna get that from jesus let's move on to the uh the canada game i think canada was the game where like 
Boy, there was a lot of noise and a lot of chatter after after that Canada game. I mean, uh, heading into that game, everybody was hoping for a win. I mean, you're getting Canada without Alfonso Davies and without Steven Eustachio, so it seemed like the uh, the opportunity was there. Uh, looking at the rosters on paper, the U.S. seemed to have a talent advantage. Uh, and even during that game, I mean, the U.S. did uh, have a possession advantage, controlled the ball, uh, did really well in the defensive third and the middle third, and it was just that final third. Uh, some of the notes from that game, of course, were uh, Greg Berhalter's postgame pr- uh, comments where he said uh, the U.S. had a dominant performance. Uh, what, he said, what did he say? Like, uh, we've never seen such a dominant performance in an away game. Just yeah. didn't get the result, something like that really set off U.S. men's national team fans everywhere. Uh, Pulisic was not very good at all. And for me, I think it was it was a reality check game, uh, a, a game where I think I, I feel like the, the discourse afterwards was so intense and so uh, angry at Greg because I feel like there was a lot of us have built up these players just so high in our minds as, as these players that are so talented that they can just overcome anything. And I think we saw against Canada that – Although we did have the more talented team, Canada had something else. You know, they did have these experienced players who were grizzled, who had grit, and who had all this stuff that we kind of dismissed as as not important because we don't have that in our current team. And we saw what you know a lot of people are saying is uh, like a classic USA versus Mexico game, where in this instance the USA was the Mexico team, the team with the talent, the team that dominated possession the team that can move the ball. And Canada was that old-school USA team that was just solid defensively and were able to counterattack with fury, uh, and they were able to get two bias. What were your thoughts on that uh, that Canada game? Yeah, it's like three or four different things. The the Canada Canada is savvier than us. I think they're much their team and their manager are better at managing games, and um, they're adaptable. They're tactically adaptable. They they do they play different ways in different games. Um, we're we're really not. You know, we play one way. Not at all, no. And um, we play one way, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then, um, and then the other thing is, like, we we have struggled to score goals, uh, particularly against a low block, the whole qualifying cycle. You know, um, and that that's a really hard thing to do in soccer, right? It's 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 difficult to score when the other team has two banks of four inside their penalty box or close to it. But we haven't demonstrated an ability to do that, and this game was no different. And then, you know, got we get the mistake, uh, sort of a cascading series of mistakes from Matt Turner and Miles Robinson, and um, and a nice play by Kyle Lahren. And uh, and then we, we're chasing that game, and that was not how we wanted that game to go. So, you know, going down 1-0 in the first 10 minutes, worst possible outcome. But we couldn't, we couldn't figure it out, you know? I mean... Soccer's a soccer's a finicky game, man. Because like, what if McKinney puts that header, you know, two feet to the right or two feet to the left, the one right at the end of the first half that Bourjan made the good save on? Maybe we're maybe it's a totally different, a totally different situation. It's just like that's variance. That's a little bit unlucky, but yeah, we can't, we couldn't solve it, and we couldn't manage that game in a way that uh, gave us a chance to win. And that's that's I think pretty par for the course in tough away games for the U.S. Yeah, I think you're speaking to sort of the two sides of my brain that are looking at that game. Like, I I do understand that there is variance in soccer and that the best team doesn't always win. I mean, we saw the other day that Manchester Manchester United lost to what was like a second division team in the FA Cup or something like that. Mm. I mean, and that's not something that's like a a huge shock. Like, that happens every year. Somewhere in the world, some 
top team loses to some second division team. I mean, it, it, in a cup game, it, it, it happens every year. It, it happens in soccer. It's very difficult to break down a team that's playing that defensive. And if, if they happen to get a goal up on you, then it becomes three times as difficult to break down that team. Uh, it, that's just part of it. But at the same time, there are some things about this game that are, that are scary for U.S. fans. I, and I think uh, the first one with Greg Berhalter is the lack of flexibility, like you mentioned. It, uh, that's, that's been discussed at nauseum at this point. I mean, the team wants to play one way, and if that's not working, uh, we still play that way. Um, and, and what we're not seeing from this team is that grit, is that fight, is that, um, is that need to just, you know, whatever it takes to get a goal in the back of the net. I don't know if we have that type of player on this team. Like there's a few guys that might qualify for that, but I mean, how many guys? How many guys do we have on the squad that are like Brian McBride, broken nose, bloody face type dudes that are like you know just gonna get after it? Maybe they'll get there. Maybe they'll get there a little bit whenever they get older. But at the moment, I don't know if we have that. I think Canada has a lot of that, uh, and I think mm. that was one of the things that I took away from this game. Like there is something well, to be a grown man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think uh, sort of maybe a little more boring thing that happened is in our system against the low block when we have all the when we have all the possession, which Canada was happy to concede to us. I'm not saying we dominated the game. I don't I don't agree with Greg Berhalter on that. But in that system, we need we need our wingers to make a difference to be difference makers. We didn't have Tim Weah because of the vaccination snafu, you know, whatever. Uh, and then Christian Pulisic played bad, played badly. Like he got, he, we got him isolated against Alistair Johnston on the left side inside the penalty box. And he just kind of, I don't know, dribbled into a crowd and, and fell on his, fell on his bottom. And like, that's, you know, if he's not making a difference and Tim way is not there, we're going to have a hard time. We're going to have a hard time breaking somebody down. Um, so yeah, that- I, I I can acknowledge. I'll acknowledge that maybe we need a, more of like a Brian McBride broken nose kind of guy, but it's just hard to like. I don't know how do you engineer that. You know, it's just it's gonna take time, and we need people to kind of emerge. I feel like McKinney McKinney has some of that some of that vibe. I think a lot of that is just going through wars, man. It's just it's just experience and just uh, just having played a long time. I don't know if that's something that you ever really associate with a really young player like the like the U.S. has. Um, and, and that's kind of the reality check for me is just like this team is very young and, and that's going to rear its head at times. Uh, and, and I think we saw that in the Canada game. Uh, just that that lack of whatever whatever the U.S. had against Algeria, you know, whenever Landon Donovan scored his goal, whatever that thing was is not really present in this team. We don't really see a lot of like come from behind gritty you know, whatever it takes to make it happen. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. No, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the Algeria game was one game that, uh, you know, the end went our way. If we lose that game, if we get unlucky and lose that game, then nobody thinks of those guys as gritty. I don't know. I feel like the grit thing is, that's a, it's a post facto sort of explanation for things a little bit, a little bit. 
I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's something that's come to be been associated with the U.S. national team for a number of years, and uh, it's something that a lot of the players point to. I'm, I'm talking about post players. I mean, uh, Hercules Gomez kind of yeah. had that scathing after game report on the U.S. national team about that. Uh, I heard Eric Winalda kind of have similar sentiments. Of course, Winalda says stuff like that a lot uh, directed at this team in particular. Uh, I've heard. Well, let me let me ask you this: was the was the win was the win over was the win over Mexico and Nations League? Was that a gritty win? Yeah, you know, yeah, a very I ugly mean, game. Yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair the Gold point. Cup run. The Gold Cup run was a different team. I, I think, and I think we'll get to that in that third game. But I feel like Kellen Acosta brings a lot of that energy to this squad. I think he's one of the the few guys that yeah. that I think really qualifies for that. And I think. Whenever you see him in the squad, like the the squad just has a different personality. Not saying that he's like better than Tyler Adams or should start over Tyler Adams. I just think you see that you see that different energy that he brings to the table. Not not just whenever the game's in play, but also whenever you know the whistle's blown and there's scrums and uh, there's all kinds of after action happening. Uh, he just brings that, and and maybe it's also because of the uh, the set pieces he brings. And maybe it is time that we move on to that. Uh, that three nothing game against Honduras, uh, the U.S. gets a win that they absolutely had to win. You were at the game, right? And it was brutally cold. Was. There was uh, a, a lot was made of that before and after the game. Uh, incredible set piece delivery by Kellen Acosta, and the U.S. get the three points that they needed to get. Yeah, that was a dominant performance from the U.S. as it should have been, because you know, as we all know, Honduras has nothing had nothing to play for. They're not particularly uh interested in being out there in zero, zero degree weather so yeah uh, um that's a big goal from Weston McKenney to sort of take the pressure off uh, like you said a delightful set piece delivery from Kellen Acosta and then you know kind of the game was over at that point almost and it was one it was it's wonderful to get an early goal we finally got that get a goal on a set piece that was our first set piece goal of the whole cycle um which is, I think, a, I think a pretty, uh, up until the Honduras game, a pretty bad mark against Burhalter. you know? If we can't break down a low block and we're not scoring goals on set pieces and everybody's playing against us with a low block, and we got we, we to gotta figure that out. So it's very encouraging that we got some goals on set pieces. Um, and I agree with you that Kellen Acosta brings a level of savvy and sort of cleverness and gamesmanship that we do that is really valuable for this team. I think even more, much more so than Tyler Adams. Um, even though Tyler Adams is a higher level player, I think sort of indisputably, um, it's great to have a cost out there kind of mixing it up, like you said. And, and then the fact that he played, he, he had a lot of time and space in the midfield, but he still, with that caveat, he still played really well, S- switched the point of attack, delivered those set pieces for three different goals. Um, happy to happy that he has, sort of returned to the fold in the national team after a couple of years of um, exile. Well, speaking of players that seemingly exiled from the national team, what about Luca De La Torre? I mean, he's a player that I think a lot of the fans were calling for in a big way. Uh, a player that has been a part of the national team but hasn't really got much opportunity. I think he played a little bit in the Jamaica home game in October. Uh, but outside of that, I'm not sure if he's featured in qualifiers at all. So he gets this opportunity in this uh, in this Honduras game. He gets the start, and he has a great game. He has, he has an undeniably great game. I mean, he does a lot of what... 
Yunus um, Musa does on the field, which is uh, get the ball from the defensive third to the attacking third. Now, the big caveat that you have to say is, you know, Honduras was not really interested, uh, especially in that second half, which was where a lot of Luca De La Torre's big penetrating runs came from. Uh, I mean, it's 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 rare that you see a soccer game at that internet at at the international level where a player has so much time and space. I mean, there were moments where they showed Luca De La Torre uh, on, the, on the TV, on the camera shot, where there just wasn't anybody around him. I mean, that's, that's highly unusual. So I think that needs to be said whenever considering his game. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, depth at the, uh, at the eight position has been something that was lacking from the U.S. for a while. I know you guys uh, on the Scuff Show had, had a lot to say about the, the, the fourth eight. Uh, it, that was a, a big discussion, and it seems like, uh, at least at this moment, it seems like Jean-Luc Abusio and Luca De La Torre have kind of come in, edged out um, Sebastian Lachette and, and, and Christian Roldan. Uh, but we still got to see these guys get tested against some of the uh, the tougher teams in CONCACAF. And I think we'll have an opportunity to see that in that next window. But what did you make of Luca De La Torre's performance? Same as you. I, I love, I mean, with big caveats about the weakness of the opponent and the game state, he was he showed why we a lot of us have wanted him to be called up and played more often uh which is his ability to push the game he has a he has a an instinct to drive the game forward and he has the technical ability to do it on the half turn and find a good pass he's a pretty he's a pretty tidy player from basically from box to box you know and i think the knock on him is he's, he he hasn't been all that dangerous inside the opponent's penalty box hasn't been goal dangerous or like hit a lot of killer passes for Heracles but um or for the US and um but yeah I think he I think I think he was great like you said and and we need to see more of him um he's a second choice he's a second choice midfielder you know it's it's Musa McKenny Adams one thing I've been kind of wrestling with in my mind is is Jean-Luc Abusio versus Luca De La Torre I, I I'm wondering how these guys kind of fit I I know I've been a big fan of Busio and see what he does in the Italian league. And, and I think he's very similar in, in, uh, to De La Torre in that I'm not sure how it translates to like an away CONCACAF game, how it translates whenever like really heavy fouls are coming in, whenever you're going up for headers and guys are putting their elbows in the back of your head and you're really getting beat up. Uh, I think Busio kind of wilted against that in that first game that he had away against Jamaica. Uh, I, I wonder how De La Torre is going to stand up to that. Uh, wh- where do you think that uh, Busio and De La Torre kind of stack up against each other uh, as it pertains to the, the depth heart in the national I, team? I prefer Luca De La Torre at this, at this moment uh, because I think he can, car- he can carry the ball. He can carry the ball and he can ride challenges. And, um, and you know, Busio's a, Busio can ping the ball all over the field. We, you know, he's, he's very, very elegant on the ball, but he's not going to dribble, you know, 30 yards and push the game forward the way, the way Luca Della Torre does. And I think he's a, Busio has been a safe passer basically since he broke through as a professional in Kansas city. Um, I think his instinct is to play safe and Della Torre is much more of a, a swashbuckler. You know, he's ready to, he's ready to find somebody forward. So I, I prefer that. I prefer Luca Della Torre for those reasons at this moment. You know, Busio's so young. He's got, he is the future of America. I'm just kidding. Um, but so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 
we're always prisoners of the moment, and I, I do wonder what would have happened if Busio was on that field against Honduras and he had that kind of time and space. I think we'd be all excited about Busio's game, but I think we'd still have the same questions uh, moving forward that we have about De La Torre right now. Uh, I think we kind of yeah. wrapped up the uh, the three games. We're, we're heading into this March window, and, and we still have everything on the line to play for. I think the big boon that the U.S. has right now is that Gio Reyna's back on the field, and even in his brief 30-minute cameo this weekend for Dortmund, he looked pretty good. He still looked very dangerous, and he still does a lot of the things that I think this U.S. squad kind of desperately needs right now. Uh, the big question about Busio, at least uh, for the national team, is where does he play on the field? Is he going to be a winger? Is he going to be an eight? If he's a winger, what does that mean for Way and Pulisic? If he's an eight, what does that mean for Musa, you know, how, how, do, how do you think uh, Gio Reyna returns to this national team and how do you think that affects things? I think he probably returns as a winger because um, that's how Berhalter's played him. Uh, now, whether that's the right decision is another question. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I, I feel okay with Pulisic being a super sub for now. Like, like I would start Reyna and Wea and then have Pulisic coming off the bench seems to he seems to have done very well in that role for the US over the past few months um and he's not been that good i'm talking about Pulisic so yeah try Reyna as the as the left winger and you know he's going to he's going to tend to tuck in that gives room for Anthony Robinson to make those bombing run, runs up the up the touchline and um i think that match that 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 duo matches up pretty well with each other uh, if he, if if Berhalter plays him as a as an eight, you know, if like if maybe Musa isn't available or he gets preferred to Musa as an eight, I will not complain that much. I'll be excited to see that. Yeah, he's one of those players that can be effective wherever he plays. I think that the question I have is like, where do I want Reyna on the field? And that's like, I want him with the ball at the top of the box. You know, I want him to be able to get that ball right there. And and what position at least in Burhalter system is going to be the most effective for that? And I think it's the winger position right now. I think if he plays eight, there'll have to be some yeah. changes to the way the eights play. I mean, currently uh, the eights in, in Burhalter system drop back a lot. They do a lot of defensive dirty work, and they do cover for uh, for Robinson and Des whenever they get forward. And I don't really want you know Gio Reyna covering for Robinson and Des whenever they get forward. I want him a part of that. So. There'll be have to be some reworking of the system, but I mean, it could work. I don't. I'm not saying it couldn't. I mean, he's a phenomenal. I do player. worry. I guess I do worry. Like you know, one of the problems with Pulisic in this past window was he doesn't make. He didn't make enough runs in behind to stretch the back line from the wing. Apparently, something Berhalter really wants from his wingers. Now, Tim Weah does it beautifully. Pulisic didn't do it. It's kind of hard to imagine Gio Reyna doing it. You know, he's not a. That's not his. That's not his game, really. But I mean, he did almost score on a run in behind yeah. for Dortmund over the weekend, so that's a appealing thing. Yeah, he has done it. I, I, the the other thing about Pulisic is he just wasn't effective whenever he got the ball. I mean, what what was the stat in the Canada game or or the, the um, El Salvador game that he lost had the ball half the time that he had it? Uh, like of the thirty times that he had it, he 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 lost possession fifteen times. I don't see Gio Reyna having that same issue. I think Gio Reyna is way better at retaining no. possession and doing something positive with the ball. So I don't think it's as big an issue. Uh, and 
Pulisic's just in a funk right now. Uh, but but again, I, I think Gio Reyna could be effective kind of wherever you line him up. There's even people that want to see him uh, at the striker position to see what he could do there. And, you know, maybe, maybe he could do that too. I mean, he's, yeah. I think he's that good. I think he could play really anywhere in the attacking third of the field and, and be effective for the u.s yeah it's it's funny he we i agree with you i think he's that good too it's we still haven't really seen him with the national team that much you know that nation's league final and um one of the qualifiers one of the qualifiers so far so he's still there's still we we're still a lot we can get out of him yeah he's got nine games for the national team he's got four goals in nine games for the national team that's pretty wild especially considering uh one of them was, you know, or two of them were, were Nations League games that were uh, really competitive. And one of them was that El Salvador game that was uh, a World Cup qualifier. So of his uh, of his nine caps, three of them were uh, super competitive games. And he's got four goals for the national team. That's a pretty good start for a career. Uh, one thing I, I do want to discuss yeah. with you that I think uh, really sets the Scuff podcast apart uh, in the crowded uh, U.S. soccer community is you guys are so phenomenal at bringing new terms, words, and phrases into uh, into the, the lexicon of the U.S. soccer world. And I have like a few that I wrote down and I want to kind of go through these and, and I want to know like, do you guys intentionally try to come up with these things or is it just on the fly? Like I have a few right here, like battleship, a defender is a battleship, usually John Brooks is is referred to as a battleship. Yeah. I've heard you guys say do a defender. I've never heard that outside of the Scuff podcast. Of course, the parabola, the par- the Josh Sargent parabola is a is a classic. Uh <laughs> half space merchant, I think is something that you guys brought to the table. Little brothered associated with Brendan Aronson to be little brothered, I think is a is a classic. And uh the the last one is 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 one it's it's from a while back. I don't even know if you remember this, but the uh I think you guys called it the scuffed theorem, which is this idea that uh the US was gonna continue to develop players at the same rate uh over like once every four years or so. Um it, it, and I thought that was a really interesting thing. Uh is, is this something that you guys uh intentionally do or is this just all on the fly? Well, I gotta admit that like of the ones you just read, they're I think they're all Greg <laughs> Velasquez's coinages, and except for the parabola, which is from Vince, um, Vince Irvin. So, so yeah, I I think Greg. D- d- I mean, we haven't I haven't discussed it with him, but he does make an effort to like come up with like a memorable way of making his point, you know. And he does that. I think he's I think he's really good at that. Um, and I think Vince does the same thing. Uh, and he's he's a more recent addition to the podcast, but he's you know he's been recording with with me and Waki for three months now. So yeah, it's uh, uh I I don't people people always like compliment me on the on on those coinages, and I have to like I have to be like yeah, I didn't come up with hardly any of those. I think the one I came up with was cage match that caught on. You know he wins in the cage, but that's like my only claim to fame. It's all Greg and now Vince and Waki. So. I'm just the water carrier. I'm the I'm the piano mover. They're the piano players. Well, credit to Greg Velasquez because they're so good. It's hard not to just use them because, like, I mean, yeah, 
John Brooks as a battleship. I mean, what a perfect way to describe that player. Brendan Erickson getting little brother. Like that is just, it's perfect. Yeah, it you know, it's so hard not to use those. Now, one thing that you have brought to the, uh, the, the U S soccer world is the songs. I mean, you've released a, a few songs at this point. Uh, there was the nine point window one, which, uh, was a great song and just the moment didn't live up to the song and it's a shame. Uh, I, I hope that we get a nine point <laughs> right. window so that the song can get its due. Uh, oh, Jean Luca was an absolute banger and uh, the Ricardo Pepe song. Uh, what what kind of inspired you to bring these songs to, to the uh, to the table? Oh, man, I don't know. I actually don't really remember why I did that with the Oh John Lucas song, but the Oh John Lucas song, I don't know. I was, I was on my porch watching some clips on Y scout of his game against AC Milan. And I was like, I'm sorry, John Luca. I underestimated you. You know, you're a, you're a, you're, you are an elegant player at a high level. Um, so that was the sentiment. And then I, I don't know. I just started singing. I, I, I have a hard time figuring out what do, what do people really think about the music? Cause I think there's a fair number of people who are like, this is weird. And like, not very cool and um but then there are people who are like yes do do more songs so i you know i don't have a good sense of public opinion about the music but we tried to sing we tried to sing at the, at a big get together in st paul and um got some pretty good participation got had some song sheets we sang oh john luca and a, and a song about serginio dest that i have not released um to the public uh so you know, I, I we're gonna be in Orlando. We're gonna try to do. I'm gonna. I I learned some things in St. Paul. We're gonna try to get like almost like a choir going to build like critical mass, and then hopefully it spreads through the whole bar or the whole tailgate, whatever we're doing. So I'm still I'm still um I'm still hopeful that uh, that the music can catch on more than it has. But yeah, thanks for the thanks for uh, <laughs> absolutely, man. It. I mean, that's such a uh, a cool and unique and creative thing that's being brought to this space, and I I think it's so interesting because this U.S. soccer space has just been so fan generated, man. I mean, so much of the stuff is is uh, is is uh, is grassroots stuff that's kind of come up. One of the grassroots thing that's kind of come up uh, in the last in this year or the last year has been Waki, and Waki's a, a co-host on your show, but uh, his breakdowns, I remember whenever he was releasing just uh, just comp videos, and then his comp videos sort of transitioned yeah. into comp with some analysis, and then he started putting his, his personality to his analysis, and then his comp videos transitioned to kind of stuff that's going on uh, between the whistles as opposed to during the game, and it, it's right. just caught fire, and you see, I mean, you see his, his, um, his comps end up on like, the the national brands sites and stuff it's 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 commented on by uh just about everybody throughout the uh the u.s soccer world from the top to the bottom and i do have a feeling that greg berhalter is now aware of of at least the back pass thing i think he's aware that people are looking out for that oh he's gotta be yeah he's gotta be aware of it yeah i i um it is crazy to imagine to, to remember that waki was watching like dc united academy games just like a couple of years ago and, and cutting like cutting the footage of Kevin Paredes or, or Moses Nyman in like a U 17 game. <laughs> he doesn't do that anymore. He's uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's gone to the big leagues, but I, I mean, I, I mean, credit to him, man. Those videos are clever, you know, like uh, that does, that doesn't just happen. You got to be pretty smart to, to do that. And they're so efficient, you know, they're so fast. They move so fast. 
So I'm a I'm a I'm a fan along with everybody else. Yeah, and having him on your podcast has been just been tremendous. I, I really enjoy his perspective, and it's so different from a lot of the uh, of what you hear in, in most soccer podcasts. And hearing about uh, like the small German towns or whatever, and like their <laughs> whatever they're known for. I don't yeah. know. I really dig that. <laughs> anyway, Adam, I think Me I've too. taken up enough of your time at this point. I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find your content? At Scuffed Pod on Twitter is sort of like home base scuffedhq.com is our website and then you can find the podcast on any um podcast platform scuffed the scuffed soccer podcast absolutely check it well, out probably my favorite u.s soccer podcast the one that i recommend to everybody uh you guys Thanks, man greg velasquez is just uh, a, a tremendous asset walkie's a tremendous asset vince i really enjoy vince a lot too and 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 you of course uh just keeping it all together uh so thank you guys thank you and and uh, everyone at the scuffs podcast for your contributions to u.s soccer and and, uh helping educate all of us uh, along the way guys thank you so much for tuning in if you haven't subscribed hit that subscribe button if you haven't hit the like button hit the like button thank you guys so much for watching shout out to my tier two members manuel aliveras and mike irish for adam bells my name is sam and this is the yank report brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.